0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Brought to the Table, a podcast dedicated to bringing guests on bringing their unique perspectives and ideas to the table. I'm your host, Luke Jones, and today I am joined by a wonderful guest that's first time on any of my Internet. Well, my podcasting Internet shenanigans, but not the first time on my Internet shenanigans. But uh, let's please welcome Zach Pinson. Hello, Zach. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great. I'm excited to be on this podcast. Thank you for bringing me to the table, and I'm excited to bring some interesting thoughts and perspectives to the table for all of our
0: listeners. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, are you are you glad that we're no longer be talking about my my woes with my wa- my washing washing machine before we get started with the show? The,
1: woes of the washing machine. I'm sure your listeners, as much as they'd love to hear about washing machine errors for the next who knows. Yeah, I know. No,
0: it's
1: it's, it's part, part of the part of fun. Learning. Be
0: talking about. I know it's it's part of the fun you know with our shows when we go on these tangents, but I will not get too much into it. But just for the short version, right before we went we uh, doing this recording, I've been fighting with my washing machine because it will not drain, so I had to go throw all my clothes out on the porch. Um, so I went back and forth before we started the episode, making sure that my washing machine was not gonna flood my apartment. But I digress. For the
1: full story, make sure you subscribe to brought to the laundromat.
0: I'm insane yes exactly yeah brought to the laundromat a new podcast where we talk about all over washing machine stories um speaking of before we jump into the podcast um super deep i just want to let everyone know at this point if you are listening to this podcast on youtube and are wondering hey i really don't like listening to stuff on youtube and i really want to listen back on spotify or all the other podcasting services well guess what as of this episode now you'll be able to it is actually well technically we're recording this a week ahead of time but all of it, it's now live on Google Podcasts, Spotify, should be quickly available on Apple Podcasts here in the next week for myself. So you should be able to listen to the show on podcast services around the globe. So I can start saying that in the show now. So but if you still like to listen on YouTube, thank you. I really appreciate it and all that fun stuff. But enough of plugging myself. Today Lucky you
1: go, Joe Rogan. you killing. I know
0: exactly. I'm starting to finally learn how to plug myself in my content. Um, Zach. I brought you here Hi. today because you are a very interesting human being. Um, for those of you who do not know, um, Zach is a hypnotist. Am I am I saying that correctly? It's not just that though, right? Correct. That's a big part of what I do. It's not the only thing I do, but Exactly. Um, My job is. Exactly. So like how would you how would you describe now we'll get in some more ideas here, but I wanna introduce Zach here and himself a little bit. So like Zach, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So as a hypnotist, the easiest way to describe hypnotism would be hypnosis is simply just a process by which you get people to experience a belief. Kind of like when you're dreaming. When you dream, you're experiencing your beliefs to the level that you think they're happening. Even though they're not, it's all a made up story, fairy tale that's happening in your head. You wake up, you're like, oh man, that wasn't real. But it feels so real in that moment, you experience it like it was. And hypnosis is the process of me doing that to people when they're not sleep. Even though hypnotists use the word sleep and they get people into a sleep-like trance, people who are under hypnosis are still awake. They're just experiencing the beliefs to the same level they would as if they were dreaming, getting them to experience things that are different than reality. And whether that's something that's fun, ridiculous, and silly that I'll do in the stage shows where I perform colleges, high schools, I tour around and do different shows when there is no pandemic keeping me from doing so. But Otherwise, I'll be going around doing shows and doing these fun stage shows. And on the flip side, you can also use it to help people to transform their lives, to improve their lives, to help them overcome things that are holding them back. If you're helping people to experience a belief, it could be something ridiculous, like thinking they forgot their own name, or they think they're stuck to their chair, or it could be something more transformational, like helping them to overcome their fears, to break through their anxiety, to be more confident, whatever it is. When you help people to experience their belief, it opens up a whole bunch of different doors and possibilities, whether that's for entertainment or for impact or for wherever you want to go with it. So that's sort of the gist of what I do.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a lot to take in. Um, I I learned a while about, because, you know, for those of you who don't know, you know, I met Zach through our Disney Villainous community from back in the the Let's Get Wicked days. But, you know, Zach and, and I now, we kind of hang out and do some different stuff over the internet. That's also not Disney Villainous related, but I found out about this and, you know, I think first when you hear someone talk about, like, hypnosis and people, like, do that, like, for a living, you kind of think of, and this is nothing against the hypnosis, but, like, the, you know, someone who owns a shack and they got the crystal ball and they're going to tell you that they're going to see your future, but, like, you actually have... There's more to it than just like saying, oh, I can tell you, like, hey, I'm gonna tell you what to do using my my hip my hypnosis. It's actually more of like a way to help people, which I think is actually the more fascinating side of this. Cause you know, usually when you see it in entertainment, yeah, that hypnosis is usually used as the way to convince someone to do something for you. Well, here you kind of even talked about it right there is the fact that you can use this technique as a way to do positive change for people. Like you talked about the anxiety and people overcoming fears. And if you don't mind, actually, if you, if you can like dive a little bit deep into that, is there ever been like any experiences you can talk about where you actually helped in that um, shape or forms? I actually really like to hear about that story.
1: Yeah. And I think you're much more gracious in your assumption of hypnosis. than most people tend to be, if I've it was simply just as simple as hanging out in a shack with a crystal ball, also known as being a psychic, not a hypnotist. That, that would not be that bad. Most people right. tend to think of it as, oh, you're the charlatan. You're just faking it. Hypnosis isn't real. You just get people to act on stage and make them pretend to do things. And that's not much of a job. And It's like, well, you're not the hypnotist. So <laughs>
0: don't exactly. tell me how exactly.
1: how it works. It's like, you don't go to your doctor and tell them they know nothing about medicine. Do you? Like it's
0: no, it's my exactly.
1: my field. I've, I've, spent hundreds and hundreds of hours studying this and learning it and practicing it. So I would think, like to think that I know what I'm doing. But to answer your question, yeah, there have been a lot of times where I've used hypnosis to help people to achieve a specific breakthrough, whether it's confidence, whether it's overcoming a fear. I think one example that comes to mind is one of the things I'll often do in my stage shows for college or high school is as much as I do all the fun, entertaining things, whether it's having people forget their name or having them think that I'm invisible is another fun one. One of my favorites is having them hypnotized to think that I've suddenly become their favorite celebrity. And then they're freaking out. Oh my gosh, Beyonce or Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber or whoever they think that I am. And they're freaking out because they're excited that their idol is suddenly just standing right in front of them. So as much as I can do all of these fun, silly routines and skits where people are actually convinced these things are happening, sort of like they're living a dream in real life. One of the things I'll often do at my shows is I'll ask the people I have up on the stage getting hypnotized, I'll ask them, how many of you are terrified of public speaking afraid of speaking in public? And I'll try to find the person who's so terrified they don't even want to raise their hand or admit it. They're the ones kind of slinking back in their chair, avoiding eye contact, hoping I don't notice them. And I'll say, I'll find that person and I'll ask them to stand up and I'll say, how would you, how would you feel if I asked you to give a speech in front of all these people right now? And of course, they're like, oh gosh, like no, please don't. Like, No, I couldn't. And what I do is I just put the mic in their hands and I say, I want you to do your best. Just go for it. And of course, inevitably, they're like, uh, hi, guys. My name is so-and-so and uh, I'm a freshman and I, I don't know what to say. And they get all nervous. And then, of course, I have the audience give them a round of applause for trying. Put them right back into hypnosis and say, next time you open your eyes, you're going to be the most confident public speaker in the world. You have no anxiety about speaking. You're amusing at speaking in front of people and you love it. One two three, awake, and I say, "How do you about speaking in front of people now?" They're like, "Oh, no problem, I love it." I say, "All right, here's the mic, take it away," and immediately they, like, "Hey guys, what's going up? My name's so and so. I'm a freshman. How you guys doing?" Like, and they bring the energy and are suddenly an amazing speaker. Literally, like flipping a switch in their mind. Of they went from terrified and anxious to speak in front of anybody to whatever public speaking. I'll speak in front of these several hundred people, no problem. And just like that, you see instantaneously all that happened is the belief switch in their mind. They were in a suggestible state in hypnosis where I was able to help them switch the belief from being terrified and scared to being confident and certain in their abilities to speak in front of a bunch of people. And the way that works is that that's just the way the human brain works naturally. That's our psychology is we have a tendency to believe our beliefs, our thoughts that we hold every day hypnotize us. If You want to look at it that way. And, you know, as Henry Ford once said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, Either way, you're right. And so it's our beliefs that hypnotize us into a certain reality. And if I can help people overcome those beliefs, whether it's part of a stage show as a fun demonstration or whether it's part of hypnotherapy or whether it's just through conversation or even through, you know, behavioral psychology and therapy is a way that, you know, it's a form of hypnosis, getting people to overcome the thoughts that are holding them back that's largely what it is. It's helping people to overcome those beliefs that might be limiting them and to create more empowering beliefs to live their best life possible.
0: Wow. That was, that was powerful stuff, man. We're early in the show and I'm already getting hit with the emotional thing. Um, First off, that's absolutely fantastic that you do that. I think that's great. And I think what's really interesting that you brought up right there um, at the end of that was the whole beliefs uh, system, because I think, a lot of people believe that their life is supposed to be a particular way or there's something that happened in their life that kind of takes control of like how they work. So, like, you know, one, one thing I tell people is, you know, I'm not a huge fan of driving. Um, I, I've had some personal experiences in my lifetime that may be not a huge fan of driving a vehicle. And I think it would be really cool to, you know, try to take that belief of my brain and just kind of I don't know. I don't know if the right words remove it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but, um, it's, it's like finding a way to take that and just find a way to overcome that belief. Cause really all it is like when you're talking about these different fears is really, they're just a bunch of different ideas and thoughts that a person has inside of their brain. That is like a part of them. And really kind of what you're saying that you're doing in reality is just trying to take that and reverse it. So, you know, like you said, with the whole public speaking thing, it's just like, Hey, You thought you weren't, you know, like you're you're very afraid to talk in front of people. But in reality, you're just taking that belief and almost just removing it and making it so all of a sudden now it's the reverse of now they really enjoy public speaking and they don't mind, you know, telling their entire story, you know, in front of hundreds of people. And I think that's super interesting the way that you talk about it in the belief sense, because I feel like there's a lot of different beliefs that the human brain has That if, you know, especially like if you have different fears of different things, like typically it's heights, spiders, things like that. And if you found a way to kind of reverse engineer that, I think that would help actually improve a lot of people's lives, especially when you talk about in the therapeutic sense, um, which I think is. And the thing
1: that that happens
0: with the fear, which we could dive into right now,
1: now. like you mentioned a fear of, of driving or at least some sort of hesitation when you're driving, an uneasiness about it. And without even knowing any of the backstory, I already know exactly what's happening, is anytime you get in the car, what's happening is a story is getting played in your mind. And you mentioned you had some negative experiences in the past, whether it was maybe you got into some scary accidents or whatever it might be, or some close calls, whatever's happening is now when you're driving, you get in the car, those stories are replaying in your head. And they're getting you to have more reservation and have the fear that's saying, what if this happens again? And that causes the fear. It's sort of like if people are afraid of flying, for example, another similar fear. Every time they get in the plane, what's the story that's going in their head? Plane's going to crash. I'm going to die. This isn't safe. All the negative stories are playing in their mind. And the thing is, they experience it with such vividness and reality is that it feels real. And they experience it like it's real. And that's what triggers the fear. Nobody who's afraid of flying is ever thinking I'm going to be perfectly safe and there's no problems. And I'm actually much safer in the air than on the ground. There are way more car accidents and plane accidents. And so I'm much safer. Nobody's thinking that if they're afraid of flying, they're right. telling themselves a scary story. Oh my gosh, I'm going to crash. I'm going to die. Like a hijacker is Oh my gosh, there's just so much to be afraid of. And that story is what's playing in their mind. But that story is what hypnotizes them into the reality of being afraid. So it's the same thing, whether it's the opposite of being on the road, it's the story It actually gets trapped in a certain part of your brain called the amygdala, where it sort of helps to filter out scary experiences. But what happens is that the old negative experiences you have sort of get trapped in that part of your brain, where now every time you go back to that experience, your brain replays that experience to keep you safe. And naturally, it's a survival mechanism, right? Fear is a good thing because it keeps us alive, right? If, you know, caveman days, you go and walk out of your cave and you see a woolly mammoth tramples one of your friends, you're like, okay, I'm not going to go back to that part of this this cave anymore because I know it's dangerous. That story is going to replay every time you go there and keep yourself safe by not making that mistake. However, sometimes that story plays in an unnecessary way where it's a one-off thing. Like Car accidents are pretty pretty rare. And if you get into one, your brain's going to be like, no, 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 don't drive. You're going to get into another accident and it's going to be dangerous. Even though intuitively, you know, I'm fine. I'm safe. The odds of it happening again, lightning striking twice, are very, very slim, but yet your brain's like, no, 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 stay safe, don't do it. Here, let's let's play the story so that you're scared and you don't do it and you keep yourself safe because the brain is just, it's just matter. It's just flesh. Like, even though we have a consciousness, it doesn't know, it doesn't differentiate. Maybe this is a good belief to have. Maybe it's not. It's just, nope, survival. Let's keep you safe. Even when it may not need to. So at the end of the day, that's fear. Is it's just believing the story, and if you can help people to stop believing the story, then they stop having the fear.
0: That's it. that's actually kind of interesting the way that you brought that up because you, you you described it as someone is hypnotizing themselves to have these beliefs, which I actually I think that's a really good way of phrasing that because the only way these fears you know come into the human cognition is the fact that you've like you said like experienced something. Um, or something really stuck out to you. Like I, I'm also not a big fan of spiders. And, uh, I always tell the story that, um, when I was younger, I was playing this little game called Jack and Daxter, the precursor legacy. And there's a whole level called the spider caves. And when you're six or seven years old and you're playing a game where there's a giant spider, that's bigger than a human being. You're just like, wait, what? And that terrified me as a kid. And ever since then, like spiders just don't jive with me very well. I've definitely gotten, I wouldn't say I've gotten completely over it, but it's definitely not like, oh my God, I'm petrified in a corner anymore, but it's still like that, that uneasy feeling that even when I play games, that have spiders in them. Like depending on the look of the spider and how big it is and stuff like that, like it definitely gives me some feeling of uneasiness where sometimes I do actually have those nightmares at night where I'm going to be eaten by a giant spider. Um, Yep. But you're right. Like it's honestly, all it is, is just like, especially at the young age, it's just like, you have these ideas that kind of get put into your brain and then it's a belief system. And really is this me telling myself that spiders aren't good. And I'm I'm like thinking of in the, and you've probably seen or heard these stories before. It's like people that are like afraid of the water where like, maybe they never learned how to swim or they had like a bad experience swimming. So they just never go touch a pool or a lake or anything like that. And they just don't want to go out on the water. And that's just, there. there's some implantation of fear that gets put in it. And essentially what you're doing is you're kind of taking it out. Am I, am, I, yep. am, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, sometimes
1: it's taking out, sometimes it's putting in a better belief or idea. Because at the end of the day, like fear is not the fear of the object, it's the fear of the idea of the object. So to use spiders as an example, Like, you're not actually afraid of spiders, you're afraid of the idea your mind has made up about spiders. That they're big and scary and dangerous, and whether it comes from that game where there was a giant spider. And, you know, the case in point where, if you were actually afraid of spiders, well, there could be one, like, right under your chair right now, or right behind you, and you don't know, so you're not scared. Now you're scared because I gave you the idea, and you're like, oh no, like, what if there really was one behind me,
0: right? Yes, you did. But, it's also for the same
1: reason. You could see, you know, uh, a shadow over the reflection of a stick or something that looks like a spider and you freak out. There's no spider there, but your brain created the association of that shadow looks like spider. Is there a spider? There was none there, but your brain played the idea and created the exact Same same sensations you would be if there was one there. So when you can understand that it's the idea that's causing the fear, not the thing. People are not afraid of spiders They're afraid of the idea of spiders. They're not afraid of driving. They're afraid of the idea of it. They're not afraid of water. They're afraid of the idea of it we can help them to change the idea, it can look differently for different people. Sometimes it's removing the old idea. Sometimes it's giving them a different idea to focus on instead. Or different techniques, different things work for different people depending on their different experiences. But at the end of the day, helping people to, one, understand that their fear is just the idea that they're afraid of and not the actual thing. Empowering people to realize that, oh, they're not paralyzed by it. Some people just assume, oh, I just have this phobia, this fear, and I'll just always be this way. And they don't realize that's another belief that they're believing that's hypnotizing them into staying stuck in the fear. So helping people to create beliefs, get rid of the old ones, give them better beliefs, whatever it might be, to believe something that empowers them instead of disempowers them.
0: Wow, that's, that's a really interesting thought. Like, um, like when you talked about the, the spider thing right there, like literally, like until you said it, I literally was not thinking that. But then as soon as you said it, I looked behind me and I'm like... There's no spider. But then like, you're right. The thought is in my brain because that's the way that my brain is thinking. Like instead of it, it's you're, you're exactly right where it's the, it's the idea rather than it being there. It's like the whole kind of, it's like the weird, like when you're seeing the cartoons, when someone says they're afraid of spiders and they don't see any. And then all of a sudden there's like one on the back of their head, you know, stuff like that. And like, they just don't know, but it's like, they're like, they don't care. I mean, like they don't have the idea in their head right now. Um, but, uh, that's interesting, though. I, I really kind of like the way that you're phrasing that you're making making me think a lot about my myself internally. So I think you're doing your job. Um, but uh, excellent. yeah, exactly. And um, I guess one thing I would like to ask with that. So you talked about removing it as well as placing in new ideas. And obviously, that's, you know, person to person that works from, you know, different people based off their experiences. So like. When it comes to removing the idea, that sounds a little bit more, I want to say hardcore, but like that's you're removing a part of somebody that was what made them who they kind of are. Like, does that ever have any weight to you when you do that? What, even if it's like a good thing, like, let's pretend that you're moving my arachnophobia away from me. Like, is, is that like does that take any, I don't want to say toll, but like, does that make you think about like, wow, I just completely changed someone's life and they're now going to go live a completely different life when you do something like that?
1: Well, I think it comes down to the idea of, you know, you have the better versus the best or the good versus the great. And you can always improve in any area of your life. And yet if people don't want to change, then I can't make them change. Hypnosis isn't magic. It's not just, Oh, whether you want to get rid of your spider fear of spiders or not, suddenly it's gone. But instead it's a, hey, here's how can I how here's how I can help empower you to understand that the fear is a belief, the fear is an idea. And if you want to get rid of it, here's how. If you don't, you don't have to. But oftentimes, fears don't help. Like you're right, there are certain instances where fears can be just a part of who someone is, but oftentimes that part is something that's limiting them. Right? If you have a fear of driving and you just don't. Want to drive and you can never go anywhere, and that really restricts your life because you can't get in a car and drive somewhere. You could be like, Oh, well, well, this is just who I am, and that's who I am, and that's who I'll always be, and I don't want to change and love myself, and this is who I am, and that's just that. Or you can say, Well, what if the only person I am is the person I decide to be, and I can choose that I want to create an even better version of myself? I don't have to settle for good enough, but I can choose to go for great. I can be as good as I want to be. Even though this is who you are today doesn't mean that's who you have to be tomorrow and creating that empowering attitude to help people to realize that, sure, if you have a fear and it's not bothering you, then don't get rid of it. But if it is, then don't make an excuse that's saying, oh, this is just who I am because the excuse is just a manifestation of the fear of the unknown of, oh, what happens? Or what if I can't get over it? Or what if this does change? But instead, having that more empowering perspective of, Hey, what if this actually makes my life so much better? It gets rid of the limitations and helps me to live the best life that I can without being held back by this fear, because we all only have one life. Like Human beings have not a lot of things in common with the diversity of 7 billion people in the world. But at the end of the day, that's one of the things we all share is that we only have one shot at this life. And so why not make it the best that we can? Why not get rid of the things that are limiting us and holding us back? really maximize the one life we have to live as much as possible
0: that's that's really good stuff i am um, I, I you know over my life with the driving thing it's you know it used to be i go in weird flows and i don't know if you've seen this so maybe you can help describe this so you know i i obviously some things have happened i won't go into detail about them um but basically like at one point you know I was able to get over that and I was able to drive anywhere and not care. I could drive for long distances. I could, you know, go places. And then there was a dip where something else happened and it wasn't super big, but it was enough that it made me super paranoid. And it made it so I literally only drove when I absolutely have to. And then it kind of got removed. And then I kind of in this, and I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, you know, 2020 is 2020, but it definitely like kind of hit me back again where I only drive when I need to, although I'm in this, I'm getting back in the the cycle again where I'm actually okay with doing it. Like actually last weekend of us recording this, I actually went to go see my brother uh, who was about 20, 25 minutes away. Um, He had to, he had to go do some, he needs some groceries. So I went and helped him to take him to the store and like, that's a total of like, you know, about an hour for the driving I did that day. And the thing is, like the whole time I was driving, especially when I was with my brother, like you don't I didn't have that fear of like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? um And stuff like that, you know, but then there's days where it does hit me really hard where like I even just look at my car and I just get like the EBGBs inside of me. So is is there something to do with that ebb and flow of like. Because I, I do, I absolutely see what you're talking about with this whole idea thing where really is this like a belief system in my brain that's like, oh, you shouldn't drive because this could happen, but then all of a sudden it goes away and then I can just go hop in a car and take a joyride. You know, is there something with that ebb and flow where those feelings like come and go? Yeah, it's obviously different for different
1: people, but it, it sounds, sounds like to you, it's there to a limited extent. And if, oh, you're there with... Your brother, and that's more of your focus of, oh, how can I help my brother and be there with him and enjoy time with him? That's what your brain's prioritizing. It's not having any energy or space for the fear because you're focused on other things. And yet, if you're by yourself and you're just going for a joyride or going to pick up groceries on your own, that's when it's like, oh, well, nothing else to distract me. And so now the fear is coming and it's preventing me from wanting to do this, or you get the heebie jeebies or whatever it is. So it sounds like, and that's where you get into. You know, the specific ideas that are in your mind, if you're just have the limiting idea, of course, that's going to be the one that empowers you or disempowers you rather with the fear, but it's being, it's allowing the voice you want to be loudest to be the loudest. And that just comes down to, you know, what you focus on. You know, it's where your focus goes is where your energy flows ultimately. So if you're focusing on the disempowering idea, you feel disempowered. If you focus on the empowering idea or even just a different idea, you at least don't feel disempowered and possibly even feeling more empowered if you're focusing on that idea, whatever it might be. So it's just understanding that what we focus on
0: actually plays a really big role in what we feel. Do you, so kind of with that, so you talked a little bit, I mean, I obviously talked about this too, like a little bit of the, the, the distraction aspect of it. So like, you know, when I was with my brother, obviously I'm with my brother. It's a great distraction helps keep the ideas and the beliefs off of those negative emotions. So like when it comes to, you know, the obvious one I go to is when people need a distraction, let's say you broke up with somebody or you're going through a hard time, like people eat, that's like their comfort, you know, is yep. there, um, you know, is there, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this is like with these distractions, you know, is that like a good or a bad thing? You know, cause like obviously in my case, you know, that's a good thing because I'm, I'm spending time with a family member. It's a good time, but then you get into these more negative types of distractions and you know, is that still, you know, still okay. If that makes them feel better or is it kind of based off of what the distraction is? Cause obviously there's definitely examples of bad distractions, but is that necessarily a bad thing for the human cognition?
1: Yeah, you're right. It just depends on the situation. Like when it comes to driving, the interesting thing though, is that the more positive experience, you give yourself driving, the more it starts to erode and disrupt the negative experience that's in your brain. So every time you distract yourself, whether it's, oh, you're driving with your brother, or you listen to music, or listen to a podcast, or do something that shifts your attention, not only are you distracting yourself from that fear, but every time you successfully do it and drive, your brain subconsciously is like, oh, that's not as bad as I thought, or oh, I'm a little bit less scared. And every time you're helping yourself to overcome that, If it is something where it's like, oh, I'm just, oh, I broke up and now I'm just unlovable and no one's ever going to be with me and I'm never going to find love or happiness, right? Those are the negative thoughts that are playing, which is causing people to get into that, you know, post breakup depression and really get just just sad and frustrated and overwhelmed. It's one thing if you distract yourself where it's like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, put on some Netflix or just sleep it off and just try to escape these emotions because they're really intense, But if you're constantly doing that and escaping them, there's a part of the human brain and psychology that needs to process them. So whether that's talking with a therapist, talking with a friend, a family member, whatever it might be, and just acknowledging, yeah, this is the way that you feel. And that's okay. Like your emotions are valid. We're supposed to feel them. We're supposed to process them. We don't need to believe them though. And that's the difference just because you feel sad and depressed and unlovable and frustrated and angry doesn't mean that's the way your life is always going to be as much as it feels like in the moment. So it's being willing to process and acknowledge the emotions. You're right. You don't want to avoid it and just escape forever if it's something deeper like that. But at the end of the day, it's not letting your emotions, letting those negative thoughts hypnotize you into a reality that's not true and live your life in a limited way. So it's processing, but understanding that there can be an escape from the negative hypnosis that's causing you to live limitedly. If you just never date again because you got broken up with, then that's letting your beliefs disempower you. Process them, but don't do it in a way that just disempowers you from not getting back in the saddle and trying again.
0: You you bring up something I like to talk about a lot because as someone who you know recently broke up with somebody and especially just in the year 2020, there's just been a lot the us as humans have had to take in with all these different experiences going on across the world. Um, this, this concept of processing, um, how would you really like you say, talk about it with like a therapist or some friends and stuff, but like really what, what makes, what, what makes processing those experiences really beneficial? Cause I think, like for me, when and with everything that's been going on this year, what I tried to do was I tried to like get back into the things that I really like to do. You know, I kind of talked about at the beginning of this year when I used to do the other podcast, how really kind of tabletop games have kind of taken over. And what really what was happening, though, was that was kind of my way to escape what was happening bad at the time. But then as things went on I started processing stuff, I realized I started like enjoying doing other things again, like playing video games. Cause as everyone probably knows at the time of this recording, there's this game called crash four I'm obsessed with. Um, but it's not even just that it's also just like, you know, building Legos and like playing music again and taking walks and taking pictures and stuff like that. And I'll do rather than doing one thing, there's like a lot of different things that are helping me kind of process and think about stuff. But do, how, But is talking out those feelings the best way to process that? Because obviously, thinking about it is one thing, but obviously, like what you talked about, you know, when you think about something, you might start thinking about those negative emotions, and then that's going to start be what's repeating in your head possibly more. But, you know, what is that? How do you, how does the human make sure that they're processing correctly so they can try to move on? Because I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to these negative situations that folks have a really hard time processing. And even if they are seeing like a therapist or they have some friends to talk to, it's like, does the talking always help? What is that kind of, I don't want to call it the magic switch because it's, it's, there's no magic switch for any of this, but like, what is the thing that you would probably really make sure people are doing to make sure processing is very effective? Cause I, I know over the years, I've definitely had to take a lot of time to figure out what's helped with me. Um, to help process stuff. And you obviously want to make sure when you're processing, you're doing it in a healthy manner. You're not doing it something crazy that's going to hurt yourself. But uh, yeah, I, w- I want you to dive in a little bit on the processing factor and like talk about that a little bit more because I think that's a super interesting side to all this. Yeah, and I think at the end
1: of the day, hey. I mean, processing looks different for different people. So it's not going to be an identical cookie cutter. Hey, this is oh. what works for everybody. But one thing that I think is going to be true for most people is that processing is not good hmm. enough on its own. That's why you see people that will see a therapist, and if you're just seeing a therapist that's just going to sit there and listen to you for an hour a week, this person's just going to keep going back to the therapist every single week, and where's the solution? How are they getting help? How are they getting better? Maybe it might feel good to sort of vent and have somebody to share it with and process those emotions and those feelings, but processing is not solution-oriented. Processing is problem-oriented. You're focusing on here's the problem, here's the issue, here's what I'm feeling, here's the negative. And sometimes that's helpful. You want to be able to express those emotions. You can't let it get all pent up, but you also need to be solution-oriented. You need to understand what's going to help me move forward, right? Okay, I was broken up with, and oh my gosh, I'm so sad, and life just sucks, and I'm feeling depressed and not feeling good. Okay, it's good that you can process that and express that and be honest about those emotions, but now what are you going to do about it? going to stay there and dwell in those emotions over and over and continue to process them until your life is over or you're going to take steps in the right direction whether that's getting back into playing games or whether that's getting back into walking or running or being more active or getting into a community or getting into other non-romantic friendships and relationships to help give you that camaraderie and those relationships and that community that you're lacking from not being in a relationship anymore whatever it is take steps that orient you towards that progress towards getting better. And it's not just one or the other. Like, I think that's the challenge is people think, Oh, just process, 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 process until what (laughs) you just keep staying in this process cycle, but you want to process to give yourself that sort of leg up to get into where you need to go, create that momentum towards the direction of getting better, getting stronger, improving, getting back into another relationship, whatever it is, you can process the emotions, but don't let, overprocessing disempowering you from taking action because you're never going to get anywhere if you don't do anything it's sort of like the old expression you know if you do what you've always done you'll be who you've always been if you do what you've always done you'll get what you've always gotten so you're not going to get different results from doing the same thing over and over processing can help but it's not going to get you to where you want to be unless you take action on it and that's where the best therapists are the ones that get into i think there's a certain type of th- therapy that's you know behavioral therapy where you get people into understanding that okay what are the actions or behaviors that are either reinforcing the negative or you can take that will reinforce the positive getting people to take tangible actions and things that they're doing to get them towards the results that they want to be and those are the best therapists and sometimes it's people oh again different people different results maybe it's some medication that will help and so the therapist combines here's the action which is just taking the medication with the processing, or maybe it's somebody needs to take those exercise, their actions. They got to exercise more, sleep more, eat better, whatever it is. Here's the steps you got to take, actionable steps, combined with the processing. Whatever it is, it's going to look different for different people because everybody's different, but understanding that the thing that's the same is that we still need to take action towards where we want to be. You can't just stand there and process or sit there and process and just hope and wish we're going to get better. We have to actually take steps towards that goal. So it's a combination. Let yourself process, but also take action towards where you want to be.
0: Yeah, I, um, I definitely can relate to a lot of that because I know many, many years ago in my life, there was a, there was a there very dark time where essentially kind of, you know, it was Luke gets up relatively late, you know, tired, basically sleeping all that off and really just kind of just running through the middle of the day. But really, what like what you said, kind of what it took was me taking action and trying to actually do something to solve what was really hurting me. Um, and that definitely did wonders. Like, if I didn't take action, I don't know where I would be today, you know. Like, and the thing yep. is, is like, I think the worst part about that experience was that was something I realized on my own, and not to say that's a bad thing, but you know. Yeah, you talk. We're talking a lot about like you know having a community or a friend or a therapist or someone to talk to about all of this through. And you know, obviously, the whole reason why we're doing this podcast is because we want different perspectives on the show because everyone goes through different life experiences, different adventures, and obviously that's how that's what builds them up to being where they are today. And the thing is, with those adventures, you know, you don't necessarily want to figure stuff out just on your own. Which is all, not necessarily a bad thing, but you obviously want to be able to share those experiences because when you're sharing your experiences, you're going to have others share their experiences. Because I think part of this whole processing thing is like when someone talks to you, and I think it's also, pro- and you could probably speak more on this, Zach, so I'll let you do this after I finish my, my thought here, is that when someone tells you something like it's advice, it's not that you directly have to do exactly what they say or think that's the end all be all it's more of take what they have into consideration and then like try to see how you can either twist that or use that in a way that can still help you improve because someone's giving you advice based off of their experiences or what they perceive as the way to you know help you but that's not necessarily saying that is the exact thing because i know that's one thing i've learned you know early in my life when you know people were giving me advice about stuff and i didn't really understand it but then i kind of found a way to take it and then make it so it was more relatable to myself and then the advice became a lot more usable because believe it or not folks i used to be a very stubborn human being um i did not like listening to people um i am very different now hence why we're doing this show but uh but yeah so that's uh that's where i'll that's where i'll stop my thought there i'll let you i'll let you take over from myself there zach i started rambling that's what happens on the show well that's what we do is we talk right yeah exactly it's okay. what podcasts are we just sit here and talk about yeah. life uh, my
1: life.
0: But I think the biggest thing is ultimately
1: that, you know, at the end of the day, if you take anything away from this, take away that you're the only person responsible for the quality of your life. I'll say that one more time. You're the only person responsible for the quality of your life. OK, now there may be a lot of really negative things and bad things that have happened to you. And just because the things that have happened to you may not be your fault does not mean that they are not your responsibility to move on from them, to make them better to improve to get there we all struggle we all make mistakes life isn't perfect life isn't fair the thing that we all share is a sense of personal responsibility that we are the only person who decides quality of our life life is at the end of the day life is really just you know 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to what happens to you you could have the worst upbringing the worst life the worst parents the worst friends and yet You get to decide what that means. Does that mean that you're unlovable? Does that mean your life sucks? Does that mean you never have relationships? Does that mean life's not worth living? Or does that mean time to get better friends? Does it mean time to find something that makes you happy? Does it mean time to find your passion? Does it mean time to grow an opportunity to become an even better version of yourself than you were before? The meaning that you attach to your situation determines your level of happiness. You are the person responsible for the quality of your life. And even though you can't always change what happens to you, you can always change how you respond to what happens to you. So taking that responsibility, understanding that it's not the president's fault. It's not the country's fault. It's not your friend's fault, your mom's fault, your dad's fault, your girlfriend's fault, your boyfriend's fault. It's not the pandemic's fault. It's nobody's fault, but it's your responsibility to make something with your life. It's your responsibility to take action. And when you can understand that the thoughts in your mind are hypnotizing you to be somebody that you're not, or to be somebody that is not the best version that you could be, it's keeping you trapped. Human beings, we often sort of, to use a metaphor, we live in a jail cell with the door wide open. We're just standing there and a whole better life is ahead of us. And yet we're just afraid and we want to feel safe and we want to feel comfortable so we feel locked in and we feel stuck and we tell ourselves that this is how our life is going to be. We can't do anything about it. Even though the door is wide open and we can walk out anytime we want, we say we can't leave, that it's the fault of everybody else but us. But when we can take that responsibility and understand that the actions that we need to take to become the best person we want to be up to us, nobody else, nobody else gets to tell you how to live your life. It's up to you. Again, it's the meaning that you attach to situations. That's the quality of your life. Pandemic could be the worst thing that happened to you or the best thing that happened to you. Neither one is right or wrong. But the one you'll experience is the one you decide to believe. Have there been opportunities? Have there been connections, relationships that have come out of this? There's positives there if you look for them. Have there been negatives? Have there been opportunities that have been missed or ways it's made life harder? Of course. There are negatives if you look for them. The thing is that you find what you look for. You look for good, you find it. If you look for bad, you find it. Quality of your life is the meaning you attach to your situations. Look for the empowering meaning, and suddenly you'll find yourself a very empowered life.
0: Wow. I, am. Um, you know, it's funny that you talk about the 2020 thing, because, uh, it, you know, obviously the kind of the running joke of 2020 is the fact that, oh, it's 2020's fault or this blah, 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 you know, because obviously we don't need to go into all the semantics of it. But I know personally what's been super weird about 2020 is like there's definitely been a lot of like there's obviously been a lot of bad things that have, you know, it happened. Every, every, not the same stuff, but, you know, even if it's not related to pandemic, like bad things have happened, you know, for me personally. But honestly, what 2020s re- maybe realized, too, is that it's finding the the good through some of the stuff that's happened and you're absolutely right where i kind of remember after march and april where i realized that you know at this point you know this year is going to be made of how i decide to perceive it and how i go about taking action and i know one of the big action items i took was being super involved in our disney villainous community and really jumping in on all the streaming stuff that i'm doing and then like also things to do with my work where it was like getting really involved with trying to improve a bunch of courses and take on this grant project over the summer and all this stuff. And like all of that has been a huge, huge positive change because if it weren't for me getting more involved, you know, Zach and I would not have having this conversation right now. Um, we wouldn't have had an awesome Disney villains tournament. I wouldn't have been able to meet all these new cool friends and, you know, and then even now with going back into teaching and stuff, like I've been able to meet new students that have been able to provide positive impact for myself as well as other students around them. And the thing is, is that, you know, bad things happen. You know, I was sitting here talking about my freaking washing machine before we got started. But uh, the thing is, guess what? It's a washing machine. You know, and there there is a lot more good in this life than a washing machine decided to flood on you. I can sit here and make jokes about it because that's how I like to live my life. Um, but you're absolutely right, Zach. I um, you know, I really like the fact you're just hitting this on a nail and it's making me feel good about kind of the way that I've been thinking about 2020, because, you know, I think one thing, you know, me personally, people when they talk to me or whatnot, sometimes what turns them off is the fact that I try to be incredibly positive. And that means the way I kind of try to approach situations is really try to not necessarily not talk about the negativity, but I want to try to approach things in a positive way, but when it comes to these negative things, you know, you talked about the processing, you know, is that necessarily a bad way of like me thinking of trying to try to push that negative away? You know, like I don't, I know for a fact that definitely there are sometimes we have to talk about it. It's not like, you know, sometimes it's just inevitable, but like is being a positive person, like an overly positive person, a bad thing.
1: No, it's not posi- It's not a bad thing. As long as you're being realistic. I think we want to see things as they are, not better than they are, not worse than they are. And the reality is, again, the meaning we attach to situations is often how we'll feel about them. Is the pandemic a good thing or bad thing? Well, it's neither. It's just a thing that happened. You get to decide. Does it mean good things? Does it mean bad things? Does it mean you're happy? Does it mean you're sad? Does it mean your life is falling together or falling apart? You decide the meaning. It's like if you ask you, hey, is today a good day or a bad day? Well, there's no right answer. You get to decide whether it's a good day or a bad day. Now if you just are constantly blending yourself and being like, Oh, everything's fine and everything's good and it's all sunshine and rainbows and there's no problems and there's no negativity and there's nothing wrong with the world and everything's perfect.
0: It's like answer well, the meme here.
1: <laughs> insert the me here right but right. you'll quickly realize that oh maybe things aren't as smooth as, as you think but also you'll realize that you're lying to yourself things aren't perfect there are going to be mistakes there are going to be things that we don't like or that we're going to prefer didn't happen has there been good that count came from the pandemic sure but would i have still preferred there to not be a pandemic sure <laughs> but if i dwell <laughs> yeah, in my preferences yeah, <laughs> right If I dwell in my preferences and say, oh, man, life didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen. Oh, boo-hoo, it's all negative, it's all horrible, it's all awful. Then that's maybe not the best place to be. On the flip side, if we're like, oh, everything's all perfect, this pandemic's amazing, and it's awesome, and it's so... Like, well, okay, we can acknowledge things for what they are. Doesn't mean we have to let ourselves be tied down and limited by the negativity. Sort of like... um, to use it as an analogy, our feelings, our thoughts are sort of like waves. It's like we can't stop them from coming. We shouldn't stop them from coming because we want to be able to process how we're feeling. But we can choose which ones we want to surf. If we have a negative emotion or feeling come in, we can let it come in and let it come out as soon as it comes in. If we have a positive emotion or feeling come in, we can let that one come in and maybe dwell on it a little bit more. We can focus on that one. Because, again, it's where our focus goes is where our energy flows. Right? And your focus... What helps boost the quality of your life because your focus is what's allowing you to be more aware of the thoughts in your mind, and the thoughts in your mind is what are hypnotizing you into creating the belief or the life that you want to have. So, it's understanding again, see things as they are, not better than they are, not worse than they are, but choose to attach an empowered meaning, and you'll quickly find that you're much more in control of the quality of your life than you thought.
0: I really, I really like the way you think about all this stuff, it's very, very similar to way. I mean, granted, and this is actually something we'll get into here. Cause I think uh, a lot that you're talking about is stuff that I've learned over the years. This is, this is not something that everyone's born with thinking this way. And it takes life experiences to kind of figure out how to look at life. And sometimes people don't figure it out and that's okay. You know, like, I think that's one thing I've definitely had to learn over the years is that there have been people that I've cared about that, you know, I, you know, I, wanted them to be able to find the way to see the light when they were kind of in this negative cycle. And they just never did. And obviously the thing is I don't want to live that way where I I live in this negative cycle for the rest of my life. You know, I've had bad things happen to me. Everyone has, but it's like it's the fact that you're gonna sit there and dwell on it or you're gonna find a way to look at things in a different way. You know, you're absolutely yep. right. You know, I think we're all we all can agree listening on the show that the pandemic across the world, we all wish didn't happen. But we cannot say, and obviously, like I said this before, you know, Zach and I probably would not be having this conversation right now if the pandemic didn't hit us in a way where we wanted to find ways to communicate with people because we obviously can't see people every day, you know. Um, yep. And we get to have these awesome conversations about this stuff, um, but it definitely takes time to get there. Yeah, and, um, and I'll say
1: like the majority of our suffering ultimately comes down to when we argue with our reality like oh should the pandemic have happened doesn't matter it did yeah that's the reality of it if we say oh it shouldn't have happened well yes it should because it did not saying it should because it's a good thing or it's desirable but it should because that's reality And if we argue with that oh it shouldn't have happened it shouldn't be this way that's the way it is can't change that what you can change is how you react to it how you respond to it but when we argue with reality oh this shouldn't have happened. He or she shouldn't have done that to me. They shouldn't have said this to me. Life shouldn't have happened this way. Uh, yes, it should, because that's the way it happened. might not be the way you wanted. It might not be the yeah, way exactly. you preferred, but that is reality. You can't go back and time travel. You can't time travel and change reality. What most people end up doing is they time travel in their heads is they live in the past and they say, oh my gosh, the negative and these past experiences or these things are awful or horrible. Let me dwell on what happened. Live in the past. The past doesn't exist anymore. All we ever have is a present moment, but people get stuck time traveling in their own head, either dwelling in the past or getting anxious about the future. We're not living in the moment in the now. And if you're listening, like try this out. Focus just on this moment, not one second earlier, not one second later, but just this moment, right now, take a moment, look at what's around you, look at what's near you, focus on how you're feeling, how are your fingers feeling, your toes feeling, how, are, how is your neck feeling, your shoulders, just notice, notice the sensations of just being here, existing. in this moment, existing. And you'll notice that anxiety, the depression, the fear, the worries, they didn't exist in that moment where you focused on existing, because those only ever exist when we're not in the moment, when we're time traveling in our minds, when we're in the past, when we're in the future, when we're arguing with reality, when we learn to accept reality as it is, might not be how we want it to be. Might not be if we could write out a script of how we want our life to be. Life's not going to match it. Life's unpredictable. Life's risky. Life's unfair. Nobody's perfect. But yet, when you want your life to be how your life is, that's when you live a happy life stop arguing with reality and you start accepting it start making the most of it pandemic's awful what am i going to do about it just sit in bed and be depressed all day and be frustrated and blame 2020 and blame the president and blame china or blame whoever i want because it sucks pandemic happened what am i going to do about it I'm Gonna make the most about it i'm gonna find a really awesome community of people that love playing this really awesome board game called disney villainous and find ways to find community in the midst of a frustrating situation that I wouldn't have picked, but I'm going to choose to learn how to make the most of anyway. You get to decide.
0: Everything's coming up,
1: Millhouse. Your reality. So don't argue with reality, and you will find that reality is not as bad as you thought.
0: I, uh, yeah, I think you're saying it's very, very strong, very good words, I think. I definitely like i agree with you 100 where you know i think we all i think a lot of us have had a chance to look at all everything that's happened this year and i think really just find a way to make the best of it and sure things definitely bad have happened but it's really kind of the way we're going all the way back to what you talked about where it's really it's the way that the human being reacts to the situations that are given to them rather than you know because everyone's gonna have bad things happen to them but it's really the way that you decide to react and that's really kind of boils back to even some of the fear stuff that you talked about, where like when you have these things that happen to you that cause these fears, like what is the way that you are going to react to that fear? Are you going to make it so it's going to completely control your life and you can't do certain things or, you know, or are you going to find a way to try to overcome that? And it doesn't necessarily happen tomorrow, which I think is, I think is the biggest thing is that most people are just are not patient. I am one of those people, but definitely I have improved on, on that over the years, although I'm still not a patient person. Um, but. I think definitely it's this whole thing of when you try to take something that's happened and just try to find a a way to work around it, you know, and make it not necessarily the best thing that's ever happened, but better. I, I think that's, I think that's just the best way to approach it. I want to, I want to ask you, Zach, because um, this is the point I was going to try to get to. We've been having great conversation is, you know, I talked about how, you know, it took me several years to kind of figure out how to think this way that I do now. It was not something that was born in my soul. Um, kind of, kind of what, what led you to really kind of get into all of this, you know, doing this hypnosis, having these types of thoughts and studying this, like what was kind of, do you have like a defining moment or is there like something that influenced you to really kind of get into it? Uh, There are those influences,
1: which I can talk about in a second, but I think for anybody, it's never just, it's never often a defining moment of, oh, suddenly your life changes and it's all perfect. And you have suddenly this vision and this passion, but it's a process. It's a journey of getting there. We certainly have these moments that are more significant than others that become these catalysts into a new life or new idea or new ways of thinking, which for some people, maybe even just listening to this podcast can be that catalyst. Maybe this hearing this perspective on life is the first time you've thought about things in this way. And it gets you to start thinking and exploring and learning and processing things in a new way. So maybe that could be it for you. But at the end of the day, yeah, I certainly didn't always think like this. And I have certainly got trapped by my own negativity and would argue with reality and get frustrated or anxious or depressed or worried or afraid all the time. And yet for me, I got into hypnosis primarily for entertainment first, before it was for more of this transformational type of content. Um, I actually started learning sleight of hand and card magic just for fun in college. I just picked it up as a hobby and thought, hey, this would be kind of neat and kind of fun to learn, and did that for about a year and really enjoyed it and had fun. And then I was really enjoying it. So I thought, you know what? I'm gonna start to do other types of entertainment. So I started doing stand-up comedy a little bit, started doing improv comedy a little bit, and then thought, you know what, why not learn hypnosis? I've always thought hypnosis was really, really neat and really cool. It seems really crazy and challenging to learn. But if I could learn magic and just learn it, why not learn hypnosis? So I just did that. I picked up some books, some DVDs, started learning, started practicing. I literally bought a DVD on hypnosis. And after I watched it, I said, I'm going to go out and hypnotize somebody. So I literally walked up to strangers at my school and said, I've been learning hypnosis. Can I try to hypnotize you? First time I did it, it didn't work at all. Second time I did it, didn't work at all. Third time, didn't work at all. But I was determined. I was like, I'm going to do it until it works. Finally, I did. And it was a really cool moment. If I tie somebody, I did it like I was successful. And then kept learning. Got more resources, learned more practice when I could. And eventually, going into my last semester of college, I started learning close to early senior year, heading into my final semester. I thought, you know what? I'm really enjoying this. I'm getting pretty good at it. I'm going to make this my career. And so I decided I was a communication major, so I didn't have a direct trajectory after I graduated. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to become a hypnotist after I graduate. I have no idea if it's going to work out, how it's going to go, if I can be successful with it or not. But what I do know is if I don't actually try, I'm going to regret it. And to me, pain of regret is so much worse than the pain of failure. So I said, I'm going to do it. And I just jumped into it. As soon as I graduated, I got certified through the National Guild of Hypnotists Started creating content on YouTube, began doing street hypnosis, where I would literally walk to strangers at a park, at a beach downtown, say, I'm a hypnotist. Do you want to be hypnotized? Most people would say no, because that's a really weird thing for a random person to walk up to you and ask. But nonetheless, <laughs> I would do it anyway. I would walk around for maybe two or three hours and get maybe two or three people that were even willing to try it in the first place. But I would just do that every week and film content, started putting stuff on YouTube, started doing shows here and there. And then, as I learned more about hypnosis, I started learning more about, oh, there's a lot more to it than just getting people to do funny, cool, silly things. There's actually a deeper psychology behind it. And that's always something I've been really fascinating with with just in general. But it was neat to see a current skill set I had really be used to apply in this different way. So I started learning not just more about hypnosis, but more about psychology and philosophy and these different ideas. And I was reading like, a book every week so I would get through 50 60 books a year and would just crank out information on not just hypnosis and what I did but just quality of your life psychology empowerment mindset all these different things on how you can think in this different way that we've been talking about in this podcast and that just became sort of this person I am I am now and it's still like I'm still growing I'm still learning more I'm Twenty-five, I still I have like know nothing in comparison young scholars. to what I know I'm continue gonna continue to learn and know. But it just sort of became that process of I became interested in it and liked learning about it and just continue to do so. And it's always fun when I have opportunities like these to talk more about these deeper ideas yes. because a lot of the content I have online is more of the entertaining side of hypnosis. It's more of the fun stage shows of fun collabs or I'm at the point now where I've gotten to work with some other influencers and YouTubers and social media stars that have helped me to grow a decent platform of my own. But at the end of the day, that's a lot of the content is the entertaining stuff. But I don't always get the opportunity to talk about more of the transformational stuff like this and the mindset stuff. And hey, here's how you make your life better. Here's the reality of hypnosis is just a deeper reflection and introspection into how the human mind works. It's just sort of a hack into how our psychology already operates anyway. Most people just don't realize it. And so me helping people to understand how they can live a more empowered life, how they can not be held back by their fears, by their anxiety, by their depression, whatever it is, helping people to live the best life possible is ultimately something I care about even more than doing the hypnosis and the entertaining fun stuff as fun as that can be. And as cool as that can be to build a platform and create viral content to me Like, there's nothing more rewarding than helping other people and making an impact and knowing that, you know, with your one meaningless existence you have on this earth, you made it meaningful. And the way you make it meaningful is living for something more than yourself, living for other people. So to me, the more I can help other people see these things and think about things in a different way, that's what I get the most joy from. That's what gives my life purpose is to help other people find their purpose and find their meaning. And so it all sort of started in a more entertaining fashion. And then I was doing more entertainment, but the more I learned about it, the more I got fascinated by it, the more I started to, to diverge into, well, I think I like this side of it even better.
0: It's it's, it's funny because we're sitting here talking about how we know each other from Disney Villainous and you've literally are Dr. Vecilier, except a less evil version or not evil at all version. <laughs> basically. Um, it's, it's funny because I
1: thought you were gonna say Jafar. Jafar does have the hypnotize
0: card. Oh, I was gonna say Jafar does have to hypnotize. Um, we, ha- we had to put Disney bonus somehow in this podcast. Um, cool. but uh, that's really fascinating. I, um, I kind of the way like you kind of ended that right there with um, you know, trying to help other people because you know. You know, I talked a little bit about this in an interview I did a few weeks ago, but kind of what really got me into teaching is like, for those of you who don't know, I'm a web programmer by trade. I did a lot of contract work when I was finishing out school. And really what it boiled down to was I got to do a lot of teaching and teacher assistantship stuff before I basically left undergrad. And I realized that actually helping someone was a lot more important than sitting there programming an app, you know, to do something. I, I found that more meaningful than trying to actually make an impact on somebody's life. And that's really kind of what got me into it. And obviously, you know, I tell people all the time that when I find fascinating about my life now compared to what it was many years ago, a lot of the people I like to surround myself with are people that think like you and me, where we try to use our talents to try to help bring better atmospheres for people. And I kind of like how you said that, like you first got into this really for the entertainment side. But really what happened was as you got more into it, you learn more about how it can actually be used, not to say that hypnosis is a bad thing, um, but really used for a tr- like a true source of good of like like what we talked about on on this podcast today is all the all the, you know, the sources of good and how it could change somebody's life. And I think it's fascinating where, you know, we both kind of gone on these journeys where we kind of did one thing and then we went into doing something else where essentially we took something that we did and turned it into a force of good to help encourage people to find themselves. Um, Cause I know that's like, and obviously you and I have both been students, so we've both experienced this. It's the whole thing of that light bulb moment where you kind of figure out like who you really want to be and what you really want to do. And I actually talked about this in my interview where really my style of teaching is trying to help people find those light bulb moments. And the thing with teaching is you can't force the light bulb moments upon somebody. Like that's not a good way to teach somebody. It's more of trying to facilitate an environment where it's going to give them the opportunity to find those light bulb moments. So they learn something and it's going to really click and stay with them. Um, But you just can't make that a fixed process because then it's a lot less special. You know, it's like, it's like when you have a student for generic purposes, trying to figure out what two plus two is and you're giving them the environment to figure it out. So rather than you just telling them, oh, it's four, you're giving them the tools to figure out what two plus two is. So once they figure out that answer, they're like, Oh my God, I figured it out. And then bam, instantly want to continue to try to learn and encourage themselves to be better people and all that stuff. I think uh, it's fascinating kind of the people I surround myself with nowadays. if We're being honest for sure. Yeah. A lot of times the quality of your life comes down to the quality of your relationships, the people you surround yourself with. I absolutely agree. Their group. No, I, uh, I actually, you know, personal story, uh, you know, and I won't get too, I won't get into too much details, but, uh, you know, the beginning of my college career, I used to hang out with this group of people that, you know, they're just some old high school buddies and stuff. And kind of what I realized is that they were not the best influence of people and kind of something I, I went through a phase of my life where, you know, for those of you don't know, I'm from the state of Indiana. Um, and I went, um, my junior year out to Seattle. And I came back from Seattle, finishing out undergrad. And I was like, I hate this place. I don't like anything about this place. But the thing is, I can never really put the pin on why I did not like coming back to Indiana after being out in Seattle. And then when I went out to Seattle the next summer for the same internship, I realized what it was, what really, it was the people that I surrounded myself with. Because while the city of Seattle is great, what really what it boiled down to was the people I was surrounding myself with out there, what really made that experience special. And I took that thought and brought it back with me to Indiana. And it actually helped me tremendously be a much more positive person. Um, You know, try to surround myself with people who really cared. And it doesn't necessarily need to be like the same people have to care about the same stuff. You know, like Zach, myself and a bunch of other you know friends, we all kind of got together through this Disney Villainous game. But really kind of what it boiled down to was we all shared things outside of there that are similar concepts that aren't just surrounding a game but we also all do different things and like different things. Um, You know, obviously I'm a teacher. I like crash bandicoot. Uh, Zach does all this really high psychology stuff that even my little small town brain cannot sometimes comprehend. Uh, But as a teacher, I am able to comprehend a large majority of it. Um, But yeah, it's definitely, there is something in life where the people that you decide to surround yourself with definitely really help shape your cognition of how you want to view yourself and your different beliefs and stuff. And I think that's super important. You know, there's
1: actually really interesting uh, sociological study that was done that shows that on average, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time around or with. And think about that. Like if you're listening, think about five people or maybe just three people or four, like just people you spend the most time around, you realize you're actually pretty like them in certain ways is that we tend to rub off on them and they tend to rub off on us. And if you surround yourself by people who are negative, you tend to become negative. If you surround yourself by people who are positive, you tend to be positive. If you surround yourself by people who go nowhere in life, then chances are you won't go anywhere either. If you surround yourself by people who are always striving for the best and always trying to be the best version they can be and help others, turns out your life is probably going to be similar to that as well. When you realize that that's just naturally psychologically who we are, we can't help that. We have a need for acceptance and to adapt to our community and the people around us. We are around become so important, not only because it affects the quality of, Oh, people you can have fun with and people you spend time with and things you enjoy doing, but because that directly affects who you become, the quality of your peer group, the quality of your relationships literally determines the
0: quality of your life. I You're absolutely right. I'd like, Firsthand experiences, and I assume you've also dealt with it in firsthand as well. I definitely can attest to that like definitely like you know especially this year too, with everything that's happened, like I mean surrounding myself with all these new folks that are share very similar values and ideas, but also like I think the biggest thing you know that I think this group that Zach and I are a part of is that we're trying to constantly try to be better people, you know, I think because that's, that's all that's something I'm really trying to like oh, the thing I learned going in and like I told people, I used to be a very stubborn human being. I really didn't like listening. Um, but then once I kind of got out of that phase, I really started listening more and realized how many ways I can improve myself as a human being. And I think, so I really like about the group of people I'm surrounding myself with right now. And it's funny when we're saying, I'm saying surrounding myself, but really a lot of these folks are through the power of the internet. Um, but you can still share the same emotional con- connection with someone with even not directly seeing who they are. But I think, um, you know, I think that is something we share is the fact that, you know, if I screw something up or Zach screws something up, you know, we want to sit there and try to improve who we are as people. You know, we definitely do it when we play Disney Villainous. We're like, hey, you could have played that car better. Um, but I think I think it goes even beyond that as well. Absolutely. where there's something about when you're surrounding yourself with people who want to constantly improve themselves. I think that's a huge, huge, important thing to have in life. Absolutely.
1: Well, that's a great analogy, too. Like, do you use the villainous example? Like, oh, if you have certain cards, you're dealt. Like, it's the old analogy. Like, you can't change the cards you're dealt, but how do you deal with the cards you're dealt? Like, if you have a bad hand, how do you work it and make it good? And that's how you win villainous, is you understand how do you use the cards to your advantage? How do you maximize what you have, even if it doesn't seem like you have much to work with? That's life. You can't change the cards you're dealt. You can't change the life that you're given to people that You know, you were born into, or the area, or the country, or your circumstances, but you can change how you deal with them. You can choose to keep the people in your life around. You can choose to stay in the same circumstances. You can choose to stay empowered or disempowered. You can choose how you deal with what you're dealt. It's not what happens to you. how you respond to what happens to you. makes a difference.
0: How'd you, so I got to ask, did you you learn a lot of these different ideas through your readings or was it through more life experience stuff? I'm curious.
1: It's a combination of both. I mean, I've, I've read a lot. I've attended a lot of different seminars and events as well too. And, and just do the combination of, you know, the more you talk about it, the more comfortable and familiar you get with it where it's just second nature to me. Like I can just casually talk about really deep philosophical ideas or, mindset things just off the top of my head because it's something i just know so much about so it's just become natural but it has been a combination it's been
0: i got you it's been 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 people like right a lot Uh, i got you i was just um i think uh you know one of the things i want folks to definitely take away because you've said a, a lot of really strong stuff um incredibly good stuff man um and what I want to, I want to try to have people take away from the show today is trying to find ways to kind of, you know, obviously listening to the podcast like this is going to be definitely super important. Um, and what I want to help folks do is find more resources to figure out these different ideas, because obviously you and I are just two folks sitting here talking about this. And obviously, you've had experience with this through obviously all the stuff that you've read and everything that you've done. I've learned a lot of this through my personal experiences, but also like through teaching, because believe it or not, you learn a lot about this stuff through teaching. Um, But I think think with that is how do folks learn more about these ideas? You know, because obviously, like I said, you said lots of great things, but how would you encourage them to kind of research more into this so they can start developing their own ideas and such?
1: I think it comes down to just, I mean, I can recommend specific resources, but at the end of the day, you find what you look for. You have this amazing tool known as Google. <laughs> any question you ask it, it will give you an answer.
0: You, you sound like it, me when I tell my students, hey, they're like, hey, I don't know how to do something. And I'm like, guess what? Google it. And they're like, oh. Find it, right? But that's the thing, though. I mean, at the end
1: of the day, if you want to look for ways to make your life better, you can literally, oh, what are some good books to change your life? What are some good resources? It's about mindset. And it's going to be like person specific. There's no single book or thing that I would recommend. Anybody should read this and anybody should like, wherever you are, whoever you are, this is going to change your life. It's going to depend. Like one book could be amazing and super helpful to one person and life changing and mean nothing to another person because they are in different seasons and different areas and have different things going on. So at the end of the day, like I, I'd encourage people to do their own research. If it's something that you care about, look into it, like look up some resources, look up some places I'll throw out name. Tony Robbins is a great place to start. If you look up, I mean, some of his events or some of his books are a great place to start to understand some of these, these resources and some of these ideas on mindset. He has a a really good book called the wake and the giant within unlimited power is another good one as well too. So if you're looking for somewhere to start, There's somewhere to start. But again, there's no one-size-fits-all resource that anybody, anybody who reads that book will suddenly have their life changed. That's one that I'd recommend that can be really helpful. But at the end of the day, you know what will be most helpful for you. So use the resources that you already have at your disposal, which is the power of the internet. I assume you have that at your disposal since you're somehow listening to this podcast that is found on the internet. So use Google, use your phone, look up resources and take that action to be the person you want to be.
0: Yeah, I was I was I, I just find that funny because I literally do that all the time is like when someone's like, "Hey, I want to figure something out." And I'm like, "Guess what? Google it." Um but uh one thing I will say and we'll go ahead and start wrapping up the show here a little bit is I think, you know, Zach, with Zach's talking about everything that he has talked about today, which has absolutely been incredible. You've been a great Zach. Um is You know, it's made me reflect a little bit on like some of the stuff that I've had happen with me in my life, because a lot of, you know, part of it is the journey. You know, I think what happens with some people is that they refuse to go on the journey of life where, you know, the journey is essentially taking in these different experiences and trying to figure out how you're going to react to them and then trying to figure out how that experience is going to impact you in some way. And if you are not going to go on the journey, you're just going to put a wall up in front of you and all these ideas and things that have happened to you are just going to stay there. You're no longer going to progress, but really, I think the biggest takeaway, and I say this in my classes, so students who are listening to this, you now can better understand where I'm coming from. Thanks to Zach, because I can't do, I can't speak to, as well as he can, but uh, I think going on the journey is super important and being open-minded and taking in these different ideas so that way you can experience all these different emotions and learn because there are going to be ups and downs in your life, but really you have to have these new experiences to be able to understand because you know, yeah, the pandemic was a new thing that was bad or good. Depending on how you look at it, but you know, especially if you're one of those folks that are already, you know, let's say, Oh, my life's already crappy and the pandemic just made it worse. Well, you were already thinking that way. So guess what? You're not going to, you're not going on that journey. You're just taking in this new event and just having that be a part of the same cyclone of stuff that you, you perceive as bad. But really if you, use i don't it's going to sound weird but use the use these different events like the pandemic to go on on the journey to discover all these new things you know like because of the pandemic like i talked about i started a podcast started a youtube channel started twitch streaming i discovered all these new amazing people i found some cool new things to do with work um you know even with everything going on i found new restaurants to go to believe it or not um and that's 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 important is to go on the journey and be willing to experience it and sometimes yeah part of that journey is gonna not necessarily be fun but it's taking in those experiences and learning from them and and you know who knows you might you might experience some wonderful things and positive outcomes and because of the journey i've gone on in 2020 i've met some incredible people i've been able to do some incredible things and that i'm really proud of and even with all the quote-unquote bad things that have happened in 2020 there's it's it's there's still been a lot of good and i i never want to take that away from what's happened because i do think there's been a lot of opportunities for myself um and i obviously you know it's different for everybody but uh i know it's definitely helped me out so zach do you have any final words you want to leave our listeners with before we wrap up the show just to go
1: off of that i'll say at the end of the day the journey is all life ever is so many of us live as if life is a destination of, oh, when I get there, I'll be happy, or when I achieve this, or, like, that's our whole life is, you know, we're dying to get into high school, and then when we get finished high school, get into high school, we're dying to finish and get to college, and we finish, we're dying to finish college so that we can get a job, job. and we're dying to get a job, we're dying to get married, and we're married, we're dying to have kids, and when we have kids, we're dying for our kids to move out, and then when our kids move out, we're dying to retire. And then mm-hmm. when we retire, we realize that we're dying and we forgot to live. Like At the end of the day, the journey is your life. It's not you getting to a certain destination. Like, And if you go, go to a graveyard and look at a tombstone, what you're going to see is underneath the person's name, there's going to be two numbers. First is the day they entered this world, and the second is the day they left this world. But it's what in, what's in between those numbers that matters because what you'll see is in between those two numbers is a dash and you have two numbers but that little tiny dash is their entire life their entire entire existence the years the decades they spent on this earth is the dash and that dash represents journey so what will your journey be what will your life be people don't go hiking because they enjoy the view the view might be great People go hiking because they enjoy the process it takes to achieve the view. Once you get to the top, what do you want to do? Go back down the mountain and go find something else exciting. Anything. Think of a big achievement you accomplished in your life. It was great. It was amazing. And how long did it last? Five minutes? Five days? A week maybe at most? And then on to the next thing. Life is a journey. And your journey will be... As amazing or as horrible, as beautiful or as depressing, as fantastic or as miserable, as you decide it will be. At the end of the day, the only person that you are destined to become is the person that you
0: decide to be. So decide to be great. I don't know if you're going to hear me clap through the microphone, but I'm clapping right now. Um... That was that was fantastic, Zach. Um, I just want to say thank you for joining me on the show. I really appreciate the the different perspectives that you have literally brought to this internet table that I'm banging right now. Um, you've been a blast. I I hope to have you on again at some point where we can talk about some other crazy, awesome perspectives of your life and the different experiences. So I r- really want to say thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it, friend. Absolutely. And I look forward to when we can do this again. I know me too. Um, before, before I close out, Zach, would you like to plug anything before we leave the show?
1: Uh, People want to just follow my journey. I'm still in a process of myself of sort of figuring out, Oh, where do I go from here with the pandemic and creating different types of content. And as I mentioned earlier, my, Content is largely the entertaining stuff, but as you probably realize, as I've been talking, I didn't talk much about the entertaining stuff because the stuff I care the most about is this transformational stuff and the impact stuff and the mindset stuff and how you live your life to its fullest potential. And I'm sort of in this season of change where I'm starting to think about all right, how do I make more content that reflects that? It's not always as viral or engaging as entertaining as the entertaining hypnosis content will be, but that's sort of the process I'm at to figuring out getting there. So if you want to be along with that journey or ride with me, you can follow me online at, at Zach Pincense, Z-A-C-H-P-I-N-C-I-N-C-E. That's my social for everything, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, you name it, just Zach Pinsense, and you'll find me. And I hope you will join me for this ride of helping people to be more empowered in life, life and live this journey to the best that they can.
0: Well, thank you, Zach. Um, please go follow Zach. Zach uh, does some really awesome stuff. Um, so please give him a, a follow on, on the different social medias that you decide to join in. And uh, we're going to go ahead and close out the show. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. And until next time, until we bring some new perspectives and thoughts and ideas to your table.